Welcome to On The Move from the Texas A&M Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. In this episode, Dr. Brian McCullough shares his experience as a doctoral student and his goal of integrating environmental ideas into sports. Howdy and welcome to another episode of On The Move. I'm Chelsea Reber and today I'm joined by Dr. Brian McCullough. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. So you received your master's and your PhD from Texas A&M and now you work and teach in the same department that you graduated from. So I'd like to get your history, kind of what brought you to Texas A&M. I know you left for a little bit and then what brought you back here? Yeah, so anyways, my sister got her graduate degree here in higher education administration and then we brought her up to campus. That was my first exposure to campus here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister-in-law's family also went here. So there was some already in the blood, so to speak. Sure. And so then anyways, got an opportunity to come here, got a graduate assistantship in the 12th Man Foundation. And then that was what brought me here for my master's degree. And then I s- studied further with my PhD under Dr. George Cunningham and then graduated. And then I left and uh, went to Bowling Green State University, was okay. there for three years. And then uh, we got the opportunity to move back to the West Coast. I'm from California originally. Mm-hmm. And I worked at Seattle University uh, for six years. Mm-hmm. And then the opportunity presented itself to come on back. And we just recently had our second son at that time and realized that Seattle's really expensive. Uh, and so we wanted to have an opportunity to come back to Texas, uh, married a Texan. And as the saying goes, you can take the girl out of Texas, <laughs> but you can't, or you can take the girl out of Texas, but you can't take Texas out of the girl. Yeah. And a great place to raise a family. So I'm sure that that helped too. Exactly. Right. I say that because I was born and raised here. So <laughs> no, it is. It's been an awesome time for our boys to be back here. And I didn't mean to skip over it, but where did you do your undergrad? I did my undergrad at Ithaca College in upstate New York. So like I said, I was originally from California, figured mm-hmm. if I never left California, I would never leave. So went, you picked upstate New York? <laughs> I did. There's a volleyball girl that's mixed in there too, but that's okay. a whole nother okay. podcast. <laughs> another podcast. Another story for another podcast. There you go. Well, I, I did my master's at Syracuse, so I awesome. know exactly what those winters are like. Yes. And I do not blame you for wanting to come back somewhere a little bit warmer. <laughs> yes, it's been nice to defrost down here. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, let me, tell me a little bit about what you do in this department in kinesiology and sport management. Yeah, so currently I'm the... Uh, uh, director of the Center for Sport Management Research and Education, which is a mouthful. So we're also looking for a new name. If that's uh, <laughs> anyone wants to recommend one, we're open for it. But uh, with that role, I really try to help out others across our uh, division to really advance their research. So bring in industry partners as best as we can and really try to solve industry problems within the sport industry. And so we're really trying to fulfill that mission of being a land-grant school and addressing those, again, industry issues. And so we have 10 tenure-track faculty across our department, which is one of the largest programs in the country and even the world. And so, again, trying to bring in that robust research expertise and deliver that into industry. What are some of the bigger challenges that the industry faces right now? Yeah, I think they're really trying to grasp with uh, kind of coming out of COVID, right, Mm -hmm. and bringing people back into uh, different sporting events, how to get them sustainably, which is, you know, m- some of my research. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, now looking at how AI can really help inform mm-hmm. uh, business decisions, also looking at data analytics. And I think sport organizations are generating so much data. 
and they don't have the personnel in, in their organizations to really analyze that data, and we have the expertise in this hallway to be able to leverage that data to help with their business objectives. Mm -hmm. And do you teach as well? I do teach. Okay. Uh, so I have a full load for a teaching, or excuse me, for a tenure track faculty member. I teach two classes a semester as well on top of that. Mm -hmm. What do you teach? What are the courses? So I teach event and facility management to undergrads and then I also teach a managing sport organizations class uh, at the graduate level mm -hmm. and I also teach uh, PhD students uh, across their different curriculum. I have to imagine with a, a campus like Texas A&M, all the event space and facilities that we have, that has to be a really interesting class. Do you guys get to take like field trips to any of the venues on campus? Yeah, so we kind of crowdsource that out to have uh, different students analyze and do kind of a facility audit for all the mm -hmm. campus facilities. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to make recommendations as if they're acting as a consultant okay. for the athletic department and saying, if I were to have my magic wand, these are the ways that I would improve mm -hmm. this uh, facility from a event space, but also from a fan experience perspective. Yeah. Magic wand, AKA the unlimited budget. <laughs> oh, let's hope so. <laughs> um, so I wanna go back to your time as a student here. Obviously you loved it enough to come back, but more specifically, how did your time as a, a master's and a PhD student help prepare you for the career that you're in now? Yeah, unbeknownst to me, I, I didn't realize how the core values would really identify and speak to me and kind of thinking of something larger than yourself. Mm. And so while I was here, I was able to work, as I mentioned, in the 12th Man Foundation. That was really helpful. Uh, gave me some really interesting perspectives on how things are done right uh, and not even realizing that it was the gold standard uh, while I was here. And then going on afterwards to Bowling Green State, which our athletic budget was around 22 million, and then Seattle University with 18. Mm. You really see kind of the discrepancies sure. in collegiate athletics. Mm -hmm. But the time here really helped train me to, you know, become the professional that I am today, especially from a research side at the PhD level. Uh, if I didn't have that that upbringing and training as a PhD student, I don't think I would have been able to make it back here. Mm. And through different partnerships and um, collaborations that I've been able to develop here and then sustain after I left, that was what kept that connection to really come back. I do wanna talk a little bit more about your research and your focus is on sport and the natural environment. Uh, what got you interested in that specific field? Yeah, so being a Californian, coming to Texas, uh, uh, although, even though my wife's Texan, I would say I'm more Texan than her, said y'all <laughs> and all the things. But, I, you know, we really started to see, you know, the discrepancies again with how things were approached in California versus in Texas. Uh, and even, in fact, following uh, one of the custodians to see what they did with the recycling mm. after they picked it up from the building and typically would go into landfill dumpsters sure. and things like that. But that was trying to really start to see what sport organizations could do. And at that time when I was a PhD student from 09 to 2011, that was really when the sport industry started to engage in this space. So it provided a good opportunity to engage in research to help guide and inform what the industry could do to be more sustainable. What findings have you made that are probably the most surprising? So we've collected data from conservative and progressive campuses, if you were to characterize them as such, and really sport fans will respond to the message whenever the sport organization tells them, please do X, Y, or Z. So mm -hmm. please recycle, please consider you know, taking more sustainable modes of transportation here. 
and they'll respond regardless if it's a conservative or progressive school. And you can kind of tap into that fan identification to get fans to be receptive to environmental messages that may not otherwise be receptive to it in other ways of their in other aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. So if you were to tell me that at work or just seeing a commercial on television, I'll be much more receptive in a sport context because mm-hmm. Texas A&M or you know whatever campus is telling me to be sustainable. Yeah, you kind of you attach it to their fan identity. You know, as an Aggie fan, we do this and. Well, you've heard it. You know, we're kind of like a cult around here, so we'll follow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that that makes sense and using it in a, a good way and to try to keep things more sustainable and whatnot. Right. And that's not to say everyone will buy in, but you right. can really get the, you know, mm-hmm. a good bulk of people to really see that it makes a lot, you know, logical sense to do that. Uh, the way that we characterize that to sport practitioners, uh, no matter who we're talking to, is, you know, it, environmental sustainability really is just trying to make your organization more uh, efficient Mm -hmm. and not wasting resources. So if you're sending landfill waste to the dump, then that's wasting money. So there's ways that we can be more efficient in our operations. We talk about the fans, but what about the teams, like all the way from coaches and players and equipment managers? Is there a way that you guys get involved with the teams and how they also handle their waste or their sustainability? Yeah, so we've been able to kind of help with different strategic planning opportunities. Uh, we helped a little bit here at first with the athletic department, mm-hmm. and they're kind of doing their own their own thing, and, and respectfully so. But we've been able to work with other sport organizations. Uh, I've also worked with the United Nations uh, when they formulated their Sport for Climate Action Framework, which is kind of a step-by-step guide on how an organization would kind of progress through kind of making sure that their house was in order before they talked to fans about yep. being environmentally sustainable. In regards to sport and environmental sustainability, what do you wish people understood better or even just cared more about? I think it would be the kind of aspect that uh, a lot of sport practitioners are worried that their fans are going to have a negative reaction. Mm. And in some of the data that we've collected, we've started seeing consistent signs that the pendulum swings, right? And so if we were to announce that we were going to be an environmentally sustainable organization, or we're going to implement these different initiatives, there's going to be a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction. And that loud minority uh, is only a minority in of itself. And really, there's a lot of fans that are very receptive, again, regardless of the political leanings of the campus, to those types of messages. And ultimately, you know, fans want to see an organization that reflects their values, but also is respecting the resources, whether natural or financial resources, Mm -hmm. that they are given. How will the research that you're doing today hopefully impact the world of sport in the next decade, maybe even the next 50 years? Yeah, so a lot of the work that we're doing now is really focused on making this these methods and processes accessible to sport practitioners. So rather than having our research sit on a shelf that only academics read, we really want to make sure that we get that into the hands of practitioners. And to do so, we want to make sure that, again, if we're devising ways of how do you create a strategic plan, mm-hmm. we want to get that in the hands of practitioners so that they have it, they can feel uh, empowered to be able to really forward those initiatives mm-hmm. on their own. Because, I mean, if you look at any organization, they're very busy, uh, they have a lot of responsibilities, and this is just another thing on their plate. But we really want to make sure that, again, it's an easy process for them. And so we're trying to make sure that all of our research, again, is in, the ha- in their hands, accessible to them. Is there an organization or maybe even a campus that is doing it the best right now? Ooh, there's a couple of campuses. Uh, 
uh, University of Colorado and Boulder, mm-hmm. maybe not surprised to a lot of people listening, but uh, the, they're doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. University of Florida, they've done a really good job um, initially, and then their sustainability director went to Colorado, so oh. that's how that got implemented. <laughs> Arizona State and Ohio State uh, University are doing really, really well. And specifically, what are some examples of what they're doing? So Ohio State has a really good uh, waste management program that's uh, been really well implemented. They have really good partnerships that they've been able to leverage with actually uh, the Prisoners Bureau. So Mm -hmm. they actually have inmates getting paid a fair wage Mm -hmm. uh, to sort their waste. That really helps uh, divert landfill waste. Uh, Arizona State, they have a really good program on uh, solar and using a lot of renewable energies, Mm -hmm. which, you know, A&M will be coming on board very soon and kind of doing something very similar. And then Colorado, really just a comprehensive campaign. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of campuses out there that are doing great things that we can model after. And again, it's not in your face. It's You don't have to mention climate change or anything like that to people. Sure. But you can really start to implement these things and improve and enhance the fan game day experience as well. I have to admit, I I don't think I would have ever thought a sport management student would come in with the mindset of like, how do I make sports more green? I mean, ultimately, that's what you're you're, you're trying to do. So I guess my my next question is, you know, what is your advice to current students who may um, not even know that this is an option, something that they could get involved with more? Yeah, so normally, even in my event facility class, when we have our our class, especially after a weekend Mm -hmm. where there's an Aggie game that was on campus, we'll kind of have them debrief their fan experience. So Mm -hmm. not only seeing the game day experience as a fan, but also as a sport management major. So you're eventually going to go into this industry. So Mm -hmm. what can we do better to make the experience at Reed, Kyle, Ellis, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, facility better? And the same thing, kind of looking at it from a sustainability standpoint, it's like, you know, you have a lot of values that you have in your everyday life. And that doesn't get shut off just because you're a sport management major or kind of cross over into a new building or new responsibilities. So then how can you carry those things into mm-hmm. uh, your current job or your future job that will, you know, kind of create a competitive advantage for you. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way that we've kind of, I've pitched that to students, whether it's, you know, uh, valuing diversity and inclusion, how can I be an advocate for that in our organization, but also how can I be an advocate for environmental sustainability? Mm-hmm. What is the most rewarding part of your job? Uh, I guess, um, Personally, it would be, you know, the flexibility of living in a, in a community like College Station uh, where our family can grow uh, together um, and the flexibility of getting home in 10 minutes versus an hour <laughs> and a half when I was in Seattle. An hour and a half? It, one way. It wow. was brutal. Ooh. It was brutal. Yeah. Uh, but professionally, it's really starting to see students, especially uh, doctoral students, really kind of hit their stride and really start to make a name for themselves and then see that click, right? Mm-hmm that whether it's, I, I get, this could also apply, I guess, to undergrads, but like where you see things really make sense and be like, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. And now let me go tackle the next challenge in my professional development. Sure. Brian, it's been a pleasure. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go today? No, I r- really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On The Move. You can catch our episodes while you're on the move by going to Spotify, Apple, or Google. And to learn more about the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management, head to knsm.tamu.edu. This podcast is housed in the School of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University, where we transform lives.